There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Greetings. This is not Chris. This is Gene Early. Um, I'm sitting in for Chris today. We have good news that he is recovering well from a recent surgery and will be back in the show in two weeks. And I get the incredible privilege of hosting Ian DeCruz, who is the global director of P4G, which is Partnership for Green Growth and Global Goals 2030. And that is a global initiative, uh, which involves 12 partner countries, five international organizations, and it's hosted by the World Resource Institute. Um, but I think in a more personal sense, and maybe even before we go there, I just want to remind you of last week's podcast with Jillian Haslam. It was hosted by Elizabeth Vinberg Hearn, and they spoke about how to derive meaning from hardships, how to find grace in adversity, and how to develop general, genuine purpose to achieve one's identity. Uh, Jillian spoke from her lived experience of coming from extreme poverty, and she encouraged us to really think about our success in terms of carrying others with us. And today we're going to hear a story very much complimentary to that um, as we talk with Ian. Um, but you can learn more about uh, Jillian from her new book that's coming out in July 2022, and that's called Voice of Poverty. Or you could check out last week's podcast. So that would be something great if you could do. I do want to take uh, just a minute before we introduce Ian to say a bit about him and me. We first met uh, four and a half years ago, and that was a result of Ian being on a learning journey with uh, the organization Leaders Quest that I'm a, a partner with. And that was a journey uh, taking senior leaders from the climate and sustainability world uh, to go explore innovation and inspiration um, in, the, in the world, very broadly speaking. And out of that came a coaching relationship that Ian and I have developed over these years. We speak together once a week, and I've been uh, privileged to be involved in the development of P4G, which Ian was right in the process of deciding what is he going to do next when we started our coaching relationship. So I've been able to be there and watch P4G grow from an idea to an expression to actually a force in the world. And one of the things that he will talk about a bit is uh, a marker in our relationship was when very early on, I saw him as what I called a 0.5% leader. And he kind of responded to me and said, what, what do you mean? I said, yeah, you're brilliant. What is that? Well, it really was just a sense of his clarity, the incredible vision he has, and his openness to learn and to lead. And um, that um, really demonstrated profound courage. I think there, there are a number of examples where uh, he really stood by his values. He was uh, in his very first summit um, in Copenhagen where P3G was hosting uh, the Danish government and others 
from around the world, their first partnerships that were being developed. This is out of 75 partnerships that have subsequently been developed in 280 million in funding and investment and over 2 million individuals affected and reducing almost a half a billion tons of CO2 carbon emissions. Um, it was their very first summit. And he was challenged to actually, um, if you will, erase uh, one of the partnerships. And he stood up and said, listen, this is the way our board has decided. This was our open, transparent process. And I'm, I'm willing for you to do that. But if you do that, I'm stepping aside. And um, his stand for uh, that uh, way and process that he and the board had gone through really um, stood the test of time and moral character. And they allowed it to go through. And everybody was really on board afterwards. But before, they weren't. So, I mean, that is just one example of that kind of moral courage. Um, but we're going to go deeper into that. And Ian, I just want to welcome you to the podcast and say uh, it's so great to be here on the podcast with you. Thanks very much, Jane. And, and just to clarify in that situation, it was really more, you know, the pressure was coming from, from a media perspective of how do private sector companies actually get involved in international development? and climate action and actually help people in developing countries really uh, benefit. And, and that, you know, I'm really looking forward to talking to you, Gene, that to me, it's the entrepreneurs in these developing countries who truly are the agents of change that I think can bring a, a net zero emissions world that we all talk about in 2050, but on their terms, but actually provides a path for all of us to be on that journey together. So thank you for the privilege. Uh, to, to be on this podcast with you and to talk about um, a personal leadership journey, which, as you said, uh, no one had called me a leader before you did. And, and so it's good to talk to you about what leadership means to both you and I. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, in our conversations, we always kind of begin softly and gently, but then suddenly we get to these points, and I'm hoping that we'll do that again and really be able to unpack part of our process for our listeners. But, I'm, you know, the question that does come to mind is, I, I, as I put myself in the seat of a listener, I would be really um, curious and interested in what is it that, that drives your passion for this work and how did you come to it? Because I know you have it and it would not be where it is if it weren't for that passion. Yeah, and, and, and you've helped really harness this to me when you asked me, um, Gene, that, and said to me, you're a 0.5% leader. I think the journey that you helped trigger in me is why did you even say that? And, and, and where was that coming from? And just to give context to people, uh, my grandmother was an orphan. Um, I come from a family of migrants. I'm the first one in my family that has uh, completed university. And so when you come from that context, you're always being told, uh, including from my family, that you have to work twice as hard to just be relevant, uh, let alone have a seat at the table, let alone be heard. So when you elevated me to a level of saying you're a 0.5% leader, um, I really did not know what you were saying. And I didn't know what that meant. But what I know now is that leadership, true leadership comes from purpose. And that com purpose comes from lived experience. And that lived experience comes from your origin story. And for me, that origin story has three elements. The first is uh, my nana. My nana was an orphan. 
Um, she could have easily been abandoned in society, but really uh, was welcomed by the church. And that just course corrected our whole family story from there on. And that has always got me thinking at a personal level. My Nana also taught me how to love and how to be loved. And uh, so I am always looking in all the work that I do and manifest of how do we create changes in systems and in institutions to protect the most marginalized and vulnerable. The second person in my life who, who always inspires me every day is my father. He's passed away now, but he was a migrant. He was brilliant. Uh, but he, he sought a better life, as many migrants do, uh, taking our family from Singapore to Australia when I was aged eight. But he was significantly discriminated. He moved from being the second top public servant in Department of Marines and Harbors in Singapore to working in a power station in Collie, 200 kilometers south of Perth, in a coal mining power station. And so we were in the most isolated city, you know, in, in an isolated country. And I was thinking about global affairs, but he taught me that, you know, there are so many brilliant people in the world who just need to be given an opportunity and chance to show and untap their skills. And so I always am looking for the dads in the world who are brilliant people. And, and my, my mission is to really unlock their brilliance. And this comes to a third person who I think in the work we do analytically of finding and addressing climate action and sustainable development, but in a way that provides jobs and investment for the most vulnerable. There's entrepreneurs like people like Mustavis Udin for me in Bangladesh, who's reimagining how the fashion industry can and should look like, where as a result of COVID uh, and, and, and the nature of terms and conditions, his factory workers were basically um, had, had deals made with global brands that were torn up and, and they suffered grossly financially. But uh, Mustavis is a person who, because he sees in his mother, um, every female garment industry worker refused to let any of his workers go. And he, to me, is an example of a person revolutionizing the fashion industry in the future in the way Elon Musk 10, 15 years ago has done with the car industry. And that's part of my purpose is as we look into a world in 2050 of net zero emissions, how can we find at least together, Gene, uh, 50 of the most transformative leaders like the Mustavas Udins who are reimagining the world uh, where there is benefit for all, but starting with people like people in Bangladesh at first instance. Yeah, I've had the privilege of meeting Mustafas and, and the, his story, his origin story is absolutely remarkable. And it's so, so clearly parallels yours as a migrant story, whereas his is really uh, the story of honoring his mother. Um, I remember he actually sold his wife's gold in order to pay uh, salaries to his workers when the global fashion uh, industry refused to pay um, uh, contracts that they had established. So again, it's that moral courage to stand up in the midst of great adversity, which I would say characterizes you, characterizes him, and characterizes others of these leaders that, that you work with. Uh, a question that, that I constantly come back to when I think about our conversations, and that is, how do you link this, your commitment to um, personal transformation of yourself as a leader to creating the results that you and P4G have been able to create? 
Yeah, so I, I think that it's just a wonderful gift and privilege and platform that I have in, in P4G. But in P4G, at our essence, um, you know, you mentioned that we have looked at over 70 partnerships uh, in, in, in over four years, and we're in our fifth year now with 12 partner countries, five international organizations. But at the core, what are we looking for? And, and we are looking for um, promising development solutions but that can be turned into sort of commercial solutions that move beyond grant funding that really can drive jobs and investments in countries like Bangladesh, Indonesia, Vietnam, Colombia, Mexico, South Africa, Ethiopia, and Kenya. But from the perspective of entrepreneurs who can use and unlock national plans of action on climate change and sustainable development, but see business models business models that, that they can drive forward and create investment. And, and I think what P4G is here to provide is a supportive infrastructure and ecosystem to unlock that brilliance of these entrepreneurs with their innovative new business models driven in these kind of countries, which are emerging economies and doing that in food, water, energy, cities, and the circular economy, big systems of change and doing it in ways that we can scale and replicate. And I know we'll talk about some of those details of specific partnerships, but at the core of that vision is to bridge two different worlds, the world of development and international development, but find that development on the terms of countries and, and, and on the terms of the entrepreneurs in the countries and the investment world from businesses to private sector to really see how that enormous capital that does exist can be fundamentally reallocated and where that investment and that technology can come on the terms of entrepreneurs in these emerging countries with their innovative business models so that they are the solution providers for the net zero emission worlds that we want to have by 2030 or how we look to halve emissions by 2030. We only have just a, a couple of minutes, short minutes before we have to take a break. But um, I do want to come back, circle back in and just say your your leadership journey, because this being global director of P4G is the first kind of global senior leadership position you've had. And you've faced major challenges in that. And yet there are some parallels um, in your in the integration of your own personal life and your own professional life. I just wonder if you'd speak to that about how how the work in your personal life has served the work of your uh, P4G and your professional life. Yeah, so literally, I feel like P4G and myself have gone through this journey together. So P4G was launched at the start in 2018, and that was my first role as a global leader in an international initiative. And, and coming from my background, um, you know, I, I had a lot of self-doubt. I, I did not know if I was equipped to be a global leader. I, I did not know, uh, having come from being a first person to graduate from university from Perth, Western Australia, such an isolated city and isolated country, did I have the background? Did I have the um, academic background? I didn't have the languages. So why should I be the leader of P4G and what can I provide? And this is where the origin story is so critical. At the end of the day, when you strip that all away in terms of achievements and, and, and external validation, at the core, I knew my mission was to really help create system change to help the nanas of my world, 
um, and, and to give expression to people like my father and to the Mustabas of the world to find their solutions in a way that they self-determine the way we define sustainable development and climate action. And once I found that clarity from within, that, that my lived experience um, helped define me as the leader I wanted to be, it gave me the purpose and conviction to lead P4G in a way that mirrors the need to be bold, to take courage, um, to do something different and innovate and transform uh, and take those high risks for high impact that the world needs uh, to find those solutions for climate action and sustainable development, but that I had lived through to, to the journey of being this leader um, of P4G. And so there is a parallel that for all those listeners out there who may not see that they have the right background or the right academic experience, um, you are likely to be the right leaders that we need in 2050 because if you do it with humility, with a clear sense of purpose linked to your origin story where your impact is to drive change for others in a selfless way, those are the leaders who will lead us um, to a net zero world by 2050, Gene. This has been a uh, quite a journey for you um, as you're describing here. And, you know, I'm always struck by uh, your the kind of the migrant identity that you carry in your origin story and how your passion is so directly associated with um, the leaders in emerging economies that you that you engage and that your partnerships really are based on. Um, because there's an identification that you have with those leaders and recognizing in a way it's, it's um, leading from the bottom up, from the grassroots, from the, from the least of these is one way to say that, um, not from a top-down um, development perspective, but from a, a grassroots perspective. And kind of a, we know in theory that that's important, but we also recognize that we need practical examples. And one of the things that you in um, P4G have done is you've, you have laid out through these partnerships, those practical examples of how grassroots leaders who, who have emerged as leaders in their own economies are able to, to do this. Um, so we're getting ready to take a break and just want to appreciate you kind of laying that out, Ian. Uh, in our next segment, we'll talk more about the actual work of P4G and your vision and how you've accomplished so much in such a short period of time. We'll have some kind of very short uh, case studies. So we'll be right back on that as soon as uh, we go to break. So stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Welcome back. This is Gene Early sitting in for Chris Cooper, who will be back in two weeks. And our guest today is Ian DeCruz, Global Director of P4G. We, in this previous session, uh, sec- segment, we touched on his motivation for leading P4G. And we've talked about that as inspiration and vision. Uh, we've also talked just a bit about uh, the integration of personal and professional lives. And in this segment, I thought it'd be great, Ian, if you could share your vision for, and I would say implementation of the vision through the work of P4G and maybe give us some, some live examples. Yeah, thank you, uh, Jane. And and to really finish off the last session, you know, you talk about the migrant story being so pivotal to me. Uh, as was my view is that we're all migrants, most of us, unless you are from the land itself. Um, as a First Nation person, we are all migrants looking for better opportunity and better lives. And 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 that is the essence of what P4G is looking to do, is to help people in, in our most vulnerable countries we serve to find a best, a better opportunity and better life on their terms, but in a context that we know is very, very challenging. Climate action and sustainable development uh, is, is real challenges to their, their future and to all our futures. And P4G is looking to provide very tangible examples of what are those business models as solutions that can actually be scaled to create that future. So I might give two examples, if I can, Gene, of P4G partnerships in our first year, uh, first phase from 2018, which are examples of the kind of partnerships we look to scale and, and improve our success rate as we go in the future. And, and at the heart of these partnerships are wonderful leaders, wonderful leaders who, who live this story of truth in their own origin story and in their, in their journey of impact. So the first one is Africa Green Co., a partnership based in Zambia and the Southern Africa region, um, led by Anna Hajuka, who's the founder uh, of, of, of Africa Green Co. And at its core, what it's trying to do is bring private sector investment into uh, clean energy and renewable energy in places like Zambia by buying and selling energy, uh, bringing private sector investment independently and creating a credit worthiness um, to that transaction 
in a way that otherwise can't be done. And so the beauty of that partnership as an innovative business model is it's dealing with a fundamental need in Zambia and in many countries in Southern Africa of how do you get access to energy? And it's looking at how the private sector can bring that investment very quickly, transparently and independently, and how the efficiency of what Ana Hajuka has created through Africa Green Co, this intermediary, to be that transaction platform is starting to bear fruit from building an operating license to do this in Zambia, to hopefully bringing actual energy investment uh, with transactions coming on floor, on the floor, uh, to, to, to this platform. And it's in a way that it's starting in Zambia, but the vision is how this can scale into Namibia, into other countries, potentially including South Africa as a P4G partner country. So it's an example of an innovative business model dealing with a fundamental need of energy access for people in Zambia and the Southern Africa region and finding a business model that can scale and invest. So that's one model, um, but it's, Anna, Anna has a wonderful story that maybe we can tell one day, Jean, of, of how she has personally triumphed when so many people would say this is so risky that this is um, uh, something that cannot be implemented, that is that, that will not be successful that you need to keep persisting. And we have backed and supported her vision and that partnership's vision uh, in two funding lots that has been part of its success. So maybe, maybe you could just share a bit of that now. I think we, we have time to do that and, and it is a great story. So it'd be great to hear. Yeah, and I think Anna's story is one that she was, of course, a migrant herself and her grandmother, I think, was a huge source of inspiration. I'd let, like to let her tell the story, but she says her grandmother, you know, went through times around uh, World War II and, and, and had some very challenging circumstances as well. And, and you know, in the face of adversity, uh, protected uh, a lot of migrants and a lot of Jewish migrants and, and helped take care of people. And I think that it's a story, again, of believing in your conviction and, and believing in this vision of how do you help the most marginalized people at a personal level. And I think what Anna uh, has seen in Zambia uh, and is, is an opportunity to bring um, technology, to bring investment on the terms of people in Zambia. Uh, and, and that kind of transformation in thinking is the kind of business models that we are really attracted to. The second part, that I think is really important is how P4G also helped bring other investors into it. So we talked about turning it from beyond grants to actually include investment. And, and P4G was helpful in bringing a Danish development financial institution called IFU uh, into co-investing in this partnership. And so this is the world that P4G is trying to do. Take promising development concepts, use our grant funding to nurture and accelerate that business model and secondly, to be able to then bring other investors, in this case, a Danish development financial institution to help it move beyond funding, grant funding to become more commercial. That's the technical uh, impact story, which is wonderful, but none of that would have happened without a true leader in Anna Hajuka. It's people and, and, and leaders like Anna who are really the ones transforming these business models and the develop, bringing the development investment agendas together with P4G. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, no, it's a powerful story. And, you know, particularly the, once again, I, I hear this theme, uh, which we have talked about a lot, but I hear it in this podcast of the origin story being the source of compelling motivation for the kinds of leaders that we're looking for for 2050. Um, that it's really a unique class of people um, who have the persistence to kind of make their way through tremendous adversity. And her grandmother is a good example of that at a very personal level. Anna is um, kind of on a personal level, but also on a professional level. And so there's this kind of combination of, of personal uh, resilience um, as a leader and also vision and implementation. So it's a very uh, unique set of skills and competences that people have in order to, to do what P4G is trying to do and support them in doing. The other, the other thing that I hear, and maybe you can speak a bit about this, maybe even with Amy, um, is how P4G is really a connector, bringing together resources that um, don't normally come together. And you know how do you how do you create create that connection that is uh, organic and living, and not simply a kind of a, a transactional connection? Maybe you could speak to that. Yeah. So th this is a good one, Gene. Of another partnership that that P4G has invested again uh, significantly is is what called sustainable special economic zones. Um, special economic zones, industrial parks. Export processing zones are well known in developing countries as hubs of innovation to try something different to ultimately bring um, revenue and investment and jobs into countries. Uh, the, the interesting thing about this model that, that we helped fund in P4G with Amy Jadassimi um, is, is really to try and say, how do we turn this around by looking at what are the private sector interests that can actually be driven in. Who are those tenants and how those tenants can come from a fundamental principle of sustainable development and circular economy to be the tenants in here? How can we also look to bring a system in the industrial parks where we can be very efficient, turning waste into energy, using renewable energy sources, looking for um, principles with workers that are, that are fair and reasonable, and, and also in, in Amy Janasimi, she's based in Nigeria. The situation is also how do you create uh, these zones where it's within a context of an oil and gas port facility. And so as we look at sustainable development, climate action, your point of connection, we all have to be part of the solution. We cannot demonize any sector. And I think there are opportunities that we need to think about. And Amy's a very practical living example of uh, an industrialist looking to bring a green manufacturing zone into Nigeria. We're looking to see how that can be scaled and replicated in promising examples in Kenya, which is our partner country. But looking at countries like Kenya, like Ethiopia, like Nigeria that are part of this partnership, not so much as victims of climate change and needing support uh, only, but really saying that these need to be the green manufacturing hubs of today and tomorrow. And how with this huge growth in demographics of, of, of youth in, in these countries, can they help produce green products on their terms within these sustainable special, special economic zones? And, and so that's where 
rather than demonizing sectors, how do we bring industry together um, rather than seeing countries as vulnerable, um, uh, almost people who cannot have control their future, how can they be at the core of creating their future, at the core of creating their own products in places like Kenya, Ethiopia, Nigeria, but that they can then export to the world in a sustainable way. And Amy Jadassimi, again, is another example of a leader, and both of them are female leaders, and I think that that's not by accident, who are looking to transform, in this case, industrial parks and providing an example for other countries, including our other P4G countries in places like Bangladesh, of how this can be done sustainably on the terms of, of, of our national countries, but in the way that they can export to others rather than always be a receiver of imports from other countries. Mm. You know, as you're talking, I'm just interested and curious about um, what is the range of countries that P4G has partnerships in? So the core partner countries in Africa, Ethiopia, Kenya, and South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, in Latin America, it's Colombia and Mexico with support from uh, Chile, three parts, three countries who are four, part of the Pacific Alliance. And in Asia, it's Bangladesh, Indonesia, and Vietnam. All right. And uh, just technically speaking, when you look at how do we halve emissions by 2030, how do we get to net zero emissions by 2050, the most significant opportunity for change is in these large um, middle-income and, and, and low-income countries to bring the best of our change. As we look into the future, if we want to create cities that provide mobility to citizens without the need for private car use, the places to do this is in our countries in Bangladesh and Kenya as they're developing new infrastructure to create an infrastructure of today for tomorrow. Mm. You know, you wouldn't be putting in landlines now um, you'd be giving people smartphones. Well, is there an opportunity to create shared electric mobility, use the sort of systems in places like America of the Uber and Lyft for a sharing economy, but do that, for example, with minibuses, minibuses that are constantly interacting with cities that bring energy systems and transport systems together that ultimately provide access and mobility for all. That's the future we want to live in. And that's the future that P4G is helping drive with pioneers like Anna Hajuka and Amy Jadassini. Yeah, you know, I'm uh, again, I just struck, uh, this is a new thought for me in our conversation, but this idea about how you and how P4G are connectors, that, that you connect people, you connect leaders, uh, you connect, um, um, funding opportunities and financial and investment um, contributors into the system. Um, you're connecting leaders across countries as well. And now you're talking about actually connecting um, different types of system, energy system, transportation system, water system, food system. You, that is a, that's a dimension of whole, holism or holistic um, mindset. Um, and I'm just wondering, I, we'll talk a bit more in the next segment about this, but I'm just wondering about um, how you think about um, this, the kind of the way forward that requires this kind of holistic, um, integrative approach, particularly with regard to investment and development. Yeah. Uh, so before going into the specifics of that, technically, Again, it comes from your origin story and um, this ability to connect. 
comes as a migrant and every migrant out there who's on the podcast understands this is you're constantly connecting. You're constantly creating new paradigms because you don't belong to any. You don't belong to any group um, in, in, in a system where you have to calibrate and take the best pieces of all your experiences from your family story, from your personal history, from your ethnic uh, background to the new context that you are in. And then you have to recreate that and reimagine that. So for all the people there who are migrants, you know, this connecting unlikely coalitions for impact to bring the best of them together is what you do every day. In the P4G context of bridging the development investment worlds, uh, there, there are two worlds that, that have really important agendas, but in large aspects are completely disconnected. The world of development looks at technical assistance, capacity building, how can we create enabling environments, how can we help increase the ambition um, of countries with climate action, for example, and how can we create piloting of projects. But when you speak to the investment world, they want ready-made deals. They want deals with clear definition of risk they, that, that have clear transactions and clear payoffs. And so they had to speak a completely different language to the development world. What P4G is looking to do and be that bridge between the development investment worlds is to start to say to the development community, what are those best solutions that are, and, and people in it who are looking to move beyond grant funding to create a business and create these business models? And so that's our key job of sifting the very few now, but hopefully in the future, many who think in that way in the development world, that we need to be creating sustainable businesses right at the outset and use development capital to that. In the investment community, how can we bring more private sector investors, but also with the development financial institutions to take much greater risk and be involved in transactions which commercially are at the moment uncommercial in the zero, in the one to 10 to $20 million range. That's the transaction where the innovation occurred. The, the sort of Elon Musk electric cars with Tesla didn't happen overnight. That happened through five, 10, 15, 20 years of research and development, experimentation, commercial deployment. We don't have that luxury of time. We have up to eight years in 2030 to make this change. So bringing incubators from the development world, getting investors to be much more patient and take greater risk, putting them together, that connection piece you said, that is the story of P4G and, and that's my personal story as a migrant. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an inspiring story, you know, and it it really causes me to think about, you know, th how do we in our own personal lives? Because you're you're really an example of a leader who has taken that uh, personal responsibility for making a catalytic difference and and transforming it through P4G into a global setting. Um, and I think, and as we're going into a break right now, in the next segment, we'll just talk a bit about how you see the future and how you see that being turned on really um, through this process. So look forward to that. Uh, stay tuned and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. 
one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Welcome back. This is Gene Early sitting in for Chris Cooper, and we are speaking with Ian DeCruz, who's the global director of P4G, Partnership for Green Growth. You know, in that in these last two segments, we've been able to cover a bit of personal history. Um, we've talked about a couple of case studies of partnerships that P4G has been involved in, and uh, we what we have before us, I think, is is really to what is the future that you see? And particularly, uh, I'm curious about, once again, I, I just like to, to link in terms of connection, your own personal leadership style and what's influenced that with how you're using that to take P4G into its future. Great. Um, now you're making me get very personal about things that I feel uncomfortable talking about, which is uh, my genuine belief in, in leadership is that we have this global context to to halve emissions by 2030, to, to reach net zero by 2050, which are transformative, um, you know, to, to do you know, in Einstein's definition of, of insanity is do the same thing and expect a different result. And I think so many people around the world uh, are trying to do the same thing and expect a different result in 2030 and 2015. We will not get there. We will not get there unless we're prepared to make fundamental change and transformation. And for me, that comes from a journey of love and healing that we have to find um, a coherence in systems that are completely broken, that are completely extractive, um, that do not work and do not come together. And, and that I've given practical examples of partnerships and the bridge that we want to create in development investment worlds as practical ways forward. But it's linked to a personal journey that this journey of love and healing for others, for the work we do in country, for the way we can bring development investment agendas together, you know, always comes from a personal story. And, and my personal story of, of love and healing was 
you know, I was married um, a first time before, and 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 when uh, I was in a situation where my partner at the time said that um, they no longer loved me, that was a uh, one of the most painful times of my life, and 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 I had to, in that painful time of dislocation, and and a sense of who are you, um, reimagine who my identity is. And my identity was one that I could blame, I could get angry, I could get upset, but I had to learn and I needed to heal myself and, and to love myself to be able to love my um, beautiful wife, Courtney, and my lovely children, Ellie and Ethan, who we now live in Minnesota. And, and, and that journey of love and healing was a personal one, but that reimagining of self to take care of others is what I think the world needs to go through now. I think we're at this juncture point where we need to find a way to reimagine our systems, reimagine how we look at business and investment from the lens of entrepreneurs in Bangladesh and in Kenya and realize that they provide the solutions, they provide the answers, and that the success we've had in the past may actually be not what we need at all for the future and be open to that truth and be open to those answers. And that's where, to me, that that leadership journey of love and healing that we've talked about, there are so many positive parts, but it also comes from painful self-reflection of loss um, that that we all have, um, but learning from that. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you emphasize in our times together is and you're you're kind of touching on it right now is is what might be called the shadow self the that part of yourself that so many of us want to deny or avoid or stay away from and that if i understand it correctly you know when you say the pain that you for example the pain of your first marriage and being even surprised that that uh, you were ending up getting a divorce and saying this is not my image of myself and yet, this is happening. And so you have a choice in those kind of circumstances. I also recognize that, you know, in, in P4G or in, in any organization, um, those choices present themselves oftentimes unexpectedly. Um, market conditions change, the, you know, how, how the world changes and, and you know, just the, some of the challenges we see in the world today uh, are, are those exact type of challenges. And I'm just wondering, you know, it's a little bit off a bit from the future, but I'm just wondering if you could speak to the parallel between how you have loved and healed yourself and how that has that awareness of your shadow self has enabled you to be actually exponentially more impactful through your work at P4G. Yeah, it's not talked about much in leadership. I mean, when you hear books, you hear about being good to great and all the success stories and all the successes, but people don't talk about their failures or, 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 or and, and that's where your greatest lessons are. And, and, and for P4G, we have this phrase, we say, we learn by doing. And what other people may consider partnerships that may have failed in terms of becoming investable business models, we say are actually learning journeys of creating the solutions we need to the future. We we see what we do, and and you know, in a, in a venture capital setting, you know, they accept only a, a 10, 20% success rate because there's so much experimentation has to occur to get that one big impact. In P4G, our language is how do you take high risk for high impact where no one else is prepared to go? And to be able to do that, you have to have gone there yourself personally. You need to know the pain of failure 
need to know the pain of learning through failure because that's what we do every day in P4G. We learn every day by what doesn't work because what we're trying to do is extraordinary. You're trying to go to countries which have high risk to try and create new business models that have never been created that have to have a purpose beyond money but then has to generate money as well. I mean, those are connection pieces which don't happen. But that's what we need. That's what the world needs. That's what we need to do by 2030. That's what we need. And we need to do that from the lens of people who are going to be most vulnerable. But the only way we can be open to those lessons if, is if we learn from ourselves first and our own failures and be really honest about that. And, and, and that's what we do in P4G, but that's also what the world needs to do. We need to turn these plans, commission, commitments and ambitions that has all been laid out into action in the next eight years. Because if we don't really turn that into actions, we will live through a global failure of acting and the kind of impact that we've seen in such disruption of the world with things like the global pandemic is only the beginning of what we'd have to deal with in the 2030s if we don't seriously look at our own failures as a society and what we need to correct and who we need to connect correct from to learn that the solutions and impact has to come from those most marginalized because they are the ones who are the economic agents for, for change. But we won't be open to those learnings if we don't see those learnings in our own self. You know, one of the things that I'm hearing, which again, I haven't quite connected this before, is through your story that, that the migrant story is really a story of sacrifice. And, you know, giving up where, for example, giving up Singapore to move to Australia um, in terms of your family and other things like that. Um, but then you're talking about P4G and how you, you're learning from your failures. You're sacrificing that, that good image of the successful uh, NGO becoming a successful and innovative uh, organization. And you yourself, you know, you made sacrifices uh, recently, I know, just with your family. I'm just wondering if you would, if you'd be willing to share how that's at a personal level, how that has informed your ability to do it for P4G. So for anyone out there who, who, who are open to being coached by Gene, he puts you into these very uncomfortable places, which we are literally doing through this podcast. So beware of that uh, journey that you have to be open to. Um, and he said this to me, um, I, I've, we've, we've moved as a family um, from Washington, D.C. to Minnesota, largely for personal reasons um, linked to my mother-in-law, who um, is not doing very well. And it, it's taken five moves in 12 months. And so it's taken a significant personal toll of the family to make that. But it was essential. It was essential. In P4G, we talk about a culture of being a P4G family. But you can't take care of the P4G family as a culture if you don't take care of your own family first. And so this was a move that I have never made before where I really put my family first in making the decision to relocate to Minnesota and not knowing what that would mean for P4G at this critical stage as we look to transition from phase one to phase two, but I've been had tremendous support from all the governments and funders to, to, to do that. But it was a personal risk. I had to have the courage to say this was important, but the lesson that has been learned is the challenges of making five moves in 12 months for family with the purpose of um, taking care 
and being there for my wife and being there for my mother-in-law um, provides a lesson for myself of what we need to do in P4G of resilience. The equivalent of five moves with 12 months will happen. How do we move from phase one to take all the lessons in phase one to how we transition to phase two? how those lessons may require different skill sets, more barriers than we've ever faced before to, to scale the impact, to create a greater success rate in our partnerships than ever before. And that can only come um, because you're prepared. You're prepared to go where you haven't gone before. And so the personal risk of having to protect my family is an analog for the kind of professional risks you have to take to protect the P4G family at another stage. And so this integration of what you do in your personal life will reflect in how you show up in your professional life and bring those lessons learned in your personal life to your professional life is a story at a personal level for me as a leader in P4G, but it's a story for the world as we look to transform ourselves to reach the goals we've set ourselves for 2030 to 2050. Thank you, Ian. As always, it's, we, our conversations are, are absolutely fascinating, and I recognize that uh, I do challenge you um, to kind of go go to these places. But I, I just am hoping that that your personal story is a inspiration to our listeners um, because there's a reality to it. You know, it's and we talked about um, kind of the holistic connection that P4G creates uh, with your partnerships and with your relationships with your funders who've been amazing. The, the Danish and the Dutch and the Koreans have just been amazing in, in supporting you. Uh, and those connections are so critical, um, but it's also the holistic and wholeness of your own personal life and the adversity that you've been resilient in to go through to make that all work. And I, I, I definitely see those connections. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've just got a minute here. I just want to once again thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today, as well as those of you who are listening to the recording. Um, I do hope it's been inspirational to you and that, you know, potentially you learned uh, about what P4G is doing in the sustainability world um, and uh, maybe be even inspire you to start thinking in new ways about what you're doing in regards to your professional as well as your personal lives. I do want to encourage you to tune in next week. Our show will be uh, highlighting Hillary Wilson, Wilson, who is, she's a friend and an amazing personality. She is so creative and um, powerful as an executive coach to FTSE uh, 500 companies. And she's going to be hosted in an encore presentation uh, by Chris. And uh, then Chris will be back live in two weeks. So in the meantime, we at the Business Elevation Show wish you the very best as you elevate yourself in your own leadership to create a better and more sustainable world. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.